Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times of Thursday the 12th of August 2021, from the opinion section, Malcolm Cunning. Aiken's vision is just another cut to council's services. I read Neil Mackay's piece interviewing Councillor Susan Aiken in the Herald this weekend with increasing incredulity. Don't get me wrong, the political leadership of the council should have vision and long-term strategies to tackle the problems our city and our citizens face. That requires looking 20, 50, even 100 years ahead. Central to that planning must be what we in Glasgow can do to play our small but no less crucial part in tackling and reversing climate change. It was the total disconnect between what she said and the realities on the ground that was utterly shocking. Her ambition for local government is laudable, but stands in stark contradiction to what her own administration and her political friends in Hollywood are actually doing. I could not help but conclude that Councillor Aiken imagines herself auditioning for grand designs, when, in truth, the services of DIY SOS are urgently required. She claims that she wants more powers for Glasgow City Council, but supports a government which has consistently removed funding and powers from local government across Scotland. Our responsibilities for police and the fire service are long gone. This week's proposals for a national care service would see much of social work wrenched from council control and handed over to Holyrood-appointed quangos. For those remaining services the SNP think we are fit to run, council budgets have been cut year on year. Has Councillor Aiken spoken out against this continual erosion of our powers and our funding? No. She and her SNP colleagues have colluded in and supported the slow evisceration of local government in Scotland. The latter part of the interview was particularly galling and indeed insulting, particularly to all those community groups currently campaigning to protect much-needed libraries, sports centres and other council services. To dismiss my constituents who have stood outside the Cooper every Saturday for months as somehow wanting to waste resources to gussy up a useless library is crassly insensitive. Her solution to the crisis in council services, exacerbated by the Covid pandemic but entirely caused by years of underfunding, is to pass the responsibility for cuts, closure and managed decline to community groups, charities and anyone fool enough to take on the task. 
She grandly calls it community empowerment, yet, like David Cameron's big society, it is in truth a smokescreen for a continuing and permanent removal of services. That, and a total abrogation of any political responsibility for the consequences of her policies and actions. We are promised a deep clean of the city in time for the COP26 meeting in Glasgow. All fine and dandy, but most people thought that they were paying council tax to have their streets and public spaces cleaned week in, week out. Not just when the President of the United States and other bigwigs are due to call. Former SNP councillor and now Glasgow MSP John Mason added even more insult to injury this week by telling Glaswegians that the mess the city's in is entirely their fault. So... Forgive me, Councillor Aiken, if I find myself wholly unconvinced by your grand rhetoric. Ambition must be built on solid foundations, and the very fabric of the city is crumbling as a direct consequence of SNP policy. This article was by Malcolm Cunning. From the Glasgow Times... Thursday 12th of August 2021, from the news section. Glasgow students were abandoned on the street after their flat HMO licence was removed, by Catherine Hunter. A group of students in the West End were simply abandoned on the street by their landlord, leaving them at risk of becoming homeless, after the property's HMO licence was removed, it has been claimed. The shocking incident earlier this year has been highlighted by Hillhead councillor Martha Wardrop, who is now calling for action to be taken by Glasgow City Council's homelessness team and licensing department to ensure landlords with an HMO, Housing in Multiple Occupation, licence, follow protocol. Ms Wardrop said that health and safety concerns had been raised at the properties on Rupert Street, Glasgow Street and Oakfield Avenue because of lack of repairs by the owner. The students were then forced to leave the flats earlier this year. The issue was raised at the Hillhead Area Partnership yesterday. She said, I spoke to residents recently who were very upset about what happened at Glasgow Street and Oakfield Avenue. The private sector tenants were just left on the street with all their belongings, with no support, no assistance and no help from the council. I would like a review of procedures for HMO landlords who do not comply with health and safety and repairs. I would also like to know what happens to the tenants and what safeguards there are by the homelessness team at Glasgow City Council. I think lessons have to be learned from what happened. There are too many students left in very vulnerable circumstances by HMO landlords and it has got to stop. Members of the committee agreed that something had to be done to address the problem once and for all. Chairman Councillor Ken Andrew suggested that the partnership invite somebody from the licensing committee to come and explain how these properties are managed and why some are not monitored or properly maintained. Mr Andrew said, it is an absolute disgrace what is going on and I think someone should come and speak to that. We are losing pre-1919 housing stock because of lack of maintenance. Homelessness is caused by this. Families are being pushed out of Hill Head because of antisocial behaviour. I have raised this, but there has been no response so far. Councillor Hanif Malik also raised concerns that the planning and licensing departments don't seem to talk to each other about these issues. He said, 
there is accommodation that doesn't have planning permission and it continues to get HMO licenses who have students in these buildings and this really has to stop. We have lost two students already and I don't want to see any further loss of life or limb. I have consistently complained about these licenses and they continue to be issued without consultation. Community councils are now asking the same questions I have been asking for the last four years. There needs to be more due diligence. We have a moral responsibility to ensure the safety of the people living in these buildings. This article was by Catherine Hunter. From the Glasgow Times of Thursday, the 12th of August 2021, from the opinion section, Chris McQueer, going to college as an adult was right for me. Exam result season is here and it's generating a lot of talk online about the different paths people take in life as a result of them. There's a lot of talk about what to do if you're a 16 or 17 year old who's just left school without the results they wanted or needed. Many people have been posting reassuring things along the lines of I failed all my exams but have managed to achieve X, Y and Z. Even Jeremy Clarkson weighed in on this trend, explaining how he failed miserably at school but is now a Bentley driving millionaire, but failing to mention the fact he was educated at a very prestigious, very expensive private school. Interesting. I doubt there's very many teenagers who read this column, so I won't pontificate here on what to do if that's your situation. I feel like people in their 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond are never really told these reassuring things, however, so I thought it would be good to explain my own time in education and my career path. I didn't go to a private school, although there have been scurrilous allegations about me on a fan forum of a certain football team suggesting otherwise. I left school as soon as I turned 16, halfway through fifth year, after underwhelming exam results, getting below what the teachers predicted I'd get in every subject. This was due to me absolutely not caring and spending zero time studying. My own fault. I knew I didn't want to go on to uni or college at that time and I didn't want to get an apprenticeship as a joiner or anything like that as I was hopeless at techie. I decided I either wanted to join the fire brigade or the navy, but as it was a long process to do either, I had to get a job to tide me over in the meantime to pay my dig money. I soon landed a job in Subway up the Glasgow fort as a sandwich artist, or peacemaker as I preferred. After a few months of flinging meatballs about and getting moaned at for not cutting bread properly, I realised if I couldn't handle the stress of a sandwich shop in Easterhouse, I'd certainly struggle in a war zone and allowed my dreams of a life at sea to float away from me. I soon moved on to working in JGB Sports instead. A few years passed and I was now 21 years old, on minimum wage, still staying with my ma, no worthwhile qualifications and no clue what I wanted to do with my life. I decided, out of nowhere, that the thing that would pull me out of my slump would be training to be a barber. I did a night class at college, got a job in a shop, hated it, chucked it and was back at square one again. 
Another few years passed. I was promoted to supervisor at work, then quickly demoted back as I was hopeless. At 25, I felt that I was doomed to work jobs I hated forever. I cursed myself for not trying harder at school and for being so lazy, lazy as a wee guy. I watched my pals from school graduate into amazing jobs and become qualified in their chosen crafts, leaving me feeling a wee bit left behind. For something to do, and just to entertain myself, I started doing something I had once enjoyed when I was at school, writing daft stories. After a few months of churning out weird fiction, I realised I was at my happiest when I was doing this. I thought I'd make a right go of turning it into a career, as I had nothing to lose. I found a night class in creative writing at Glasgow Clyde College, which led me on to doing an HNC in the same subject at City of Glasgow College. I gained the confidence to send my work out for publication and scrutiny, and managed to become a full-time writer a few years later. Going back into education as an adult can be a daunting prospect. I was only 25 and was a bit apprehensive, but in any college you'll see people there learning of literally all ages. There's no set path to get to where you want to go in life. There's certainly no time limit either. If I'd gone to college or uni straight from school, I would have got very little from it and would almost certainly have dropped out early. Going back as an adult, you're more confident, disciplined and willing to learn, with nothing to lose and everything to gain. If you feel like you need a career change, want to turn a hobby into something you make a living from, or just want to challenge yourself, definitely consider giving college a go. You'll no regret it. This article was by Chris McQueer. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 12th of August 2021, from the news section. New film and TV studio to open in Glasgow's Kelvin Hall, by Drew Sanderlands. A new film and TV studio is to open in Kelvin Hall after plans were given the go-ahead. The £11.9 million project aims to address a lack of studio space and boost the city's screen sector. It will include production and editing suites, dressing rooms, meeting spaces and a new cafe in the B-listed building. Glasgow City Council hopes the studio will attract big productions and the planning approval comes just weeks after scenes for two major films, Indiana Jones 5 and The Flash, were shot in the city. The application said, The presence of a major film studio in Glasgow will cater to a growing need for a central facility that can accommodate Scotland's fast-growing screen industry. The Council secured funding of up to £7.9 million from the Scottish Government for the development of the studio. Councillors approved £4 million of funding for the studio in January this year, and officers in the Council's planning team have now granted the application. Independent producers will be able to use the facility, which is also expected to host a range of audience-centred screenings. It is hoped the plans will re-establish the Kelvin Hall's primary purpose as an entertainment venue with performance at its heart. 
Creative industries are worth up to £500 million to Scotland each year, the application revealed, with 60% of its revenue generated in Glasgow. The project is being delivered in partnership with Screen Scotland, Scottish Enterprise and Skills Development Scotland. A lack of studio space has been a significant barrier to bringing large productions to the city and to Scotland, the Council has said. The planning application stated the formation of Screen Scotland in 2018 was a national statement of intent by government to realise the ambition of increasing production activity, creating more and higher quality creative jobs and promoting economic growth. It adds, there is a high level of demand for film and TV production space in Glasgow and across Scotland, as evidenced by the number of inquiries received by the Council in recent years. The development will provide a fully structured studio box of circa 4,500 square metres within the Kelvin Hall and the associated back-of-house production infrastructures such as costume rooms, green rooms and workshops. The proposal also includes the refurbishment of the main entrance and front of house, including a food and drink offer able to serve audiences of up to 500 people. A first phase of developing Kelvin Hall included renovating two western vaults into a multi-purpose sport, culture and education facility. Operated by Glasgow Life, there are three sports halls, a fitness gym and dance studio. Kelvin Hall also houses museum collections, archive storage, office space, a children's soft play area and a climbing centre. Since opening in 1927, Kelvin Hall has hosted a diverse range of events. Initially the home of large-scale national and international exhibitions, such as the Glasgow Civic and Empire Exhibition 1931, it was converted into a factory for barrage and convoy balloon production during the Second World War. It was adapted into a concert hall in the 1960s and was the former home of the city's transport museum. That article was by Drew Sandin. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 12th of August 2021, from the news section. Paul Sweeney and Susan Aitken clash over Glasgow waste crisis by Stuart Patterson. A city MSP has invited the leader of the council to see examples of a waste crisis across Glasgow. Paul Sweeney, Glasgow Labour MSP, has written to Susan Aitken over what he said unions have declared a public health emergency in the city. Sweeney said he has no confidence in the council administration's ability to deal with the issue. Aitken said she hasn't seen the letter and added she doesn't need invites to visit areas in the city and he should report incidents via Twitter. Sweeney said in a letter he was shown sites by GMB cleansing members. He said, After being shown the areas of concern, I could not be more disgusted by the mess and waste faced by these workers on a daily basis. For the avoidance of doubt, I witnessed tons of illegally discarded waste and infestation. This was not in areas that would ordinarily be described as waste ground. It included communal areas for surrounding residential properties where waste was piled as high as head height in what can only be described as an epidemic that has been allowed to spiral out of control. The MSP said the council leader has denied there is a waste crisis in Glasgow. He added, demonstrating that denial, you recently declared that the city was, quotes, looking great, close quotes. 
Given your refusal to accept the reality of the situation from afar, I would like to extend an invitation to join me and I will personally show you the state of areas in the city. I like to think that when you've seen it per in person, you will no longer be able to deny the mess faced by cleansing workers on a daily basis. Susan Aitken said, Mr Sweeney has, unsurprisingly, managed to deliver his letter to the Glasgow Times before getting it to me, but I can reassure him I don't need his invitation to visit any neighbourhood in the city. Rather than looking at litter, I'd encourage him to report it and it will be picked up. It's very easy to do on Twitter, where I know he focuses a lot of his attention. Meanwhile, Glasgow City Council said it is working to achieve recycling targets to tackle the climate emergency. A spokesman for the council said, It is simply wrong to claim the council has failed to acknowledge that Glasgow faces huge challenges over waste management. The new resources and recycling strategy, agreed by all parties, fully recognises that the city has a massive task ahead if we are to achieve our recycling targets and reduce the impact of waste-related carbon emissions. The new strategy identifies that the city faces a national objective of 70% of all waste to be recycled by 2025, when we currently recycle less than 30%. It also recognised in the strategy that 774,000 tonnes of CO2 emissions linked to the waste produced in Glasgow in 2019 was due to the low rate of recycling in the city. The basic aim of the strategy is to reduce the waste produced by the city while increasing the amount of materials that are reused and recycled, and recent measures have been introduced in support of this aim. These are hugely significant issues, and addressing them is vital to the future sustainability of the city, including the effort to tackle the climate emergency by achieving carbon neutrality by 2030. This article was by Stuart Patterson. Thursday, the 12th of August, 2021, the Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section. Glasgow venue to host October Fresh Beer Festival. Beer lovers get ready to celebrate Oktoberfest like never before this year with Innocent Gun and Platform. The popular Scottish brewers are putting their own spin on the festival with October Fresh, a free day event celebrating all things craft beer. The event will showcase Innocent Gun's freshest tank lager as well as a special limited edition beer available to enjoy exclusively over the weekend celebration. Host venue platform will be fully kitted out in decorations for the occasion and hosting live music and activities to keep you entertained as you sip your suds. There's no danger of going hungry at the event, which will offer a special German influence menu so that you can pair your stein with a currywurst or vegan bratwurst platter and house-made sauces and fries. The festival runs from Friday 1st to September 3rd of October, with tickets on sale from today. Tickets cost £12, which includes a one-pint steam of Innocent Gun tank lager, with the option to book food in advance. Platform is a fully accessible venue found in the city centre. Dates and times are listed below. To reserve your spot, click here. Friday 1st of October, 
7 to 11 p.m. Saturday, 2nd of October, 2 to 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. Sunday, 3rd of October, 2 to 6 p.m. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 13th of August 2021, from the news section. Big Orange Walks return next month with thousands to parade to Glasgow Green. By Stuart Patterson. Thousands of Orangemen and women will take to Glasgow streets next month in the biggest day of parade since coronavirus restrictions were eased. A total of 34 parades across the city have been planned for Saturday, September 18th. There have been no orange parades or any other public processions allowed since lockdown was announced in March 2020 and the annual Boyne celebration, where thousands marched through the city in July, was cancelled for 2020 and 2021. There has been a dozen or so small parades so far but next month we'll see a return to big parades with several thousand taking part. Lodges from across the city will converge on the city centre before heading to Glasgow Green. Around 3,500 members are expected in the lodges and bands and many more followers walking alongside. The Country Grand Orange Lodge of Glasgow South Group will meet at Clyde Place Quay with an estimated 1,850 taking part, and march to Glasgow Green. The County Grand Orange Lodge of Glasgow North Group will have a 1,000 participants moving from Corn Street in Caucasians through the city centre to Glasgow Green, <laughs> starting at 10am. Another 650 from the West Group will meet at Kelvin Grove Park and head into the city centre. The North, South, East and West groups will join together at West George Street and form one big procession to Glasgow Green. Notification has been given by individual lodges who will be parading through communities to meet up points at Corn Street for the North, Kelvin Grove Park for the West and Clyde Place Key for the South. The lodges include Cowcattens, Deniston, Drumchapel, Dumbarton, Easter House, Kelvin Grove, Govan, Mary Hill, Milton, Parkhead, Shettleston, Thornley Bank and Toll Cross. There will also be two colour party processions, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. In the morning, a hundred people are due to parade from John Knox Street to George Square and then through the city centre and on to Glasgow Green. In the afternoon, they will march back, back from the Green up Salt Market and High Street back to John Knox Street. And that piece was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 13th of August 2021, from the news section, Connor Markward, family of Glasgow teen who drowned call for better education. Report by Lauren Brownlee. The heartbroken family of a one in a million teenager who drowned in Loch Lomond have pleaded for lessons to be learned from his death. 16-year-old Connor Markward from Easter House lost his life at the beauty spot near Ballath Country Park on Friday, July 23rd, during a spell of hot weather. His death was one of seven drownings in the space of a week last month across the country. He was enjoying a day out with friends, oblivious to the dangers of the water he was swimming in.
Now his grieving loved ones are calling for a safety campaign in schools to prevent a further tragedy. Connor's sister Claire Lindsay told BBC Scotland News We are so heartbroken, he had a heart of gold. The morning of the incident he was away to enjoy himself. He only gave me half a cuddle that time because he was in such a rush. I told him to be careful and he said he would call me later. I can't believe it he walked out the door and never came back. The 35 year old admitted she had no idea about safety advice for people who get into trouble in the water, including leaning back and extending your arms and legs. She said, I never knew how dangerous Loch Lomond was. I think they should teach about currents and how deep the water is in nurseries and schools. I didn't even know until after Connor passed that when you get into difficulty you're not supposed to panic and you should starfish in the water. If you get taught that, it could save people's lives. We previously told that a funeral service for the ranger staff teenager was held in Lochin Community High School before a service at Daldowie Crematorium. Connor's mother, Margaret Lindsay, told BBC Scotland her son was planning an exciting new phase of his life when tragedy struck. She said, It hits me every morning. He gave me a kiss on the cheek and a cuddle every day. I'm missing his smile. The morning before he left for Loch Lomond, he was talking about college and setting up his first bank account. He couldn't wait to get his provisional licence and drive. Margaret, 52, believes easier access to swimming licence for youngsters in school may help prevent another family from suffering like hers. The Scottish Government said that its sympathies were with Conor Marquis' family and confirmed a meeting had been held with emergency services and other organisations to identify ways of reducing future fatalities. Community Safety Minister Ash Denham said, Beautiful and enticing as they often appear, Scotland's waters can be a source of lethal danger, as we saw with the heartbreaking loss of lives this summer. I was heartened to hear a recent determination and unity of purpose at Wednesday's meeting for everyone to work together to improve water safety. I am encouraged all participants agreed not only to review their own organisation's approach and performance, but also to, also to work collaboratively so that key, consistent messages get across to the public. We have agreed to come together again in a few weeks' time to assess what further effort is required to ensure greater protection for the public in future. Western Bartonshire Council, which is responsible for Ballard Country Park, told BBC Scotland it had bought 15 items of safety equipment which will be installed as soon as possible. Meanwhile, Loch Lomond and the Trossachs National Park Authority confirmed changes following Connor's death. Simon Jones, Director of Environment and Visitor Services, said, Our deepest sympathies go to the families of Connor and all of the others who died so tragically in water-related incidents over the past few weeks. In the immediate term, we have set up our water safety advice on the ground and online and encourage everyone to take some time to read about the dangers of the water in the National Park and share this with their friends and family. The Royal National Lifeboat Institution says there are five steps to know how to float. If you fall in the water, fight your instinct to thrash around. Lean back 
extend your arms and legs. If you need to, gently move them around to help you float. Float until you can control your breathing. Only then, call for help or swim to safety. More information can be found online. And that was a report by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 13th of August, 2021, from the news section. Review of public toilets in Glasgow to be held after petition gets backing. By Drew Sandiland, local democracy reporter. A review of public toilets in Glasgow will be held after councillors were very supportive of a petition calling for more facilities. Patricia Fort, whose petition amassed more than 1,300 signatures, said more toilets are needed in parks and public spaces and they must be free at the point of use. And councillors agreed that being able to access a toilet in public spaces was a, a basic human right, as officials warned there would be a significant cost to providing and maintaining more public facilities. She told the council committee, The city council does quite a good job of clearing most waste, but not human waste. Her petition called for innovative solutions, such as temporary portaloos and for community cafes, pubs, museums and libraries to allow the public to use their facilities. The council has agreed to review current arrangements with a report on future plans to be presented later this year. Bailey Annette Christie, who was chairing the committee, told Ms Fort that councillors were very supportive of your endeavours and, and backed wider investigations. This review will help us to inform that, she said. A council report has admitted there is a public need for clean toilets in strategic locations, but added a significant financial commitment would be needed to have toilets in every park, with over 90 in the city. There are currently 20 public toilets in the city, with 12 locations managed by the Culture and Leisure Body, Glasgow Life. Ms Fort said, We do need, as the Council accepts, public toilets designed to current standards and available for all to use. We need attendants employed to keep them clean. We need generous opening hours to suit the locations. We need them available. We need them near shopping areas and in the city centre. Councillor Archie Graham said the Labour group is very sympathetic to the aims of the petition. If you think of people who have diseases like Crohn's and colitis and so on, if you think of pregnant women, if you think of families with small children trying to use parks that don't have toilets in them, it is a basic human right to be able to access a toilet at or very near to your public spaces. He asked whether charging for new toilets but allowing customers to pay back by card would be better than the current provision. Ms Fort said, It would be better, but how would people who live in our streets manage? It would be better, but it does not meet the requirement, does it? For you at the point of use. This is simply just another refuse service in my view. Councillor Kim Long said information about public toilets needs to be much more widely available. She said, although there isn't a budget for toilets in all 90 parks and gardens in the city, I hope we can look at something in between an all-or-nothing situation. The councillor called for geographic gaps to be addressed 
including a lack of provision in the East End. A council officer said there are significant costs for, cl- for cleaning and management of public toilets and that public to- portable toilets are often viewed as unattractive and unhygienic. He said the review will explore options to ex- expand the number of toilets in the next few years and look at what might be available and practical moving forward. Portable toilets would require security, he said, which just adds to the additional cost. He admitted information on the council website was pretty basic and more detail on available toilets could be provided and said there could be some merit in a community scheme where toilets and cafes or other venues are available to the public. Ms Fort said she knows that toilet provision costs money, but they should be there and available for us to use. And that piece was by Drew Sandilands. Evening Times, August 13. Lifestyle. Glasgow Memories. Worship built on the Clyde marks 30 years since its first mission. Report by Anne Fotheringham. All eyes were on the ship at the launch of HMS Argyle in Scotston in 1989. Britain's longest serving frigate is celebrating 30 years at sea this year, and it all began at Yarrow's on the Clyde. The crowd had gathered to watch what was then one of the most advanced warships make its first journey. It was commissioned two years later, and this year marks three decades and 32 times around the globe since. Now based in Plymouth, HMS Argyle has, to date, steamed more than 685,000 nautical miles under the command of 18 commanding officers, including one future First Sea Lord, Admiral Sir George Zambellis. She has deployed operationally to the Asia-Pacific, the USA, Caribbean, Gulf five times, West Africa and Sierra Leone. On the way back from a nine-month deployment in 2019, she rescued 27 sailors from the burning motor vessel Grand America at night in the Bay of Biscay, leading to operational honours for two of her team and the award of a Sun Military Award for Hero Unit Overseas. According to the Royal Navy's website, despite being designed and laid down in the 1980s and 30 years old outwardly, The tech inside the frigate remains cutting edge, as demonstrated during NATO's formidable shield exercise, with Argyle tracking supersonic ballistic targets and developing future tactics for the Sea Sector missile system. The Clyde-built ship returned to Glasgow in 2015 for a five-day stay. Were you there? Share your memories and photos of ship launches on the Clyde with times past, suggests Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 16th of August 2021, from the news section. Ask Janice Bale, should I tell Pal Truth about her online dating picture? 
By our agony aunt Janice Bell. Dear Janice, one of my good friends has joined an online dating site, which I initially thought was a good idea because I know she is lonely and hasn't had the opportunity to meet anyone due to restrictions. However, she has had four dates now and each time the guy has messaged her to say thanks but no thanks. I can see the sheer disappointment on her face whenever it doesn't go as she had hoped and her mood then goes downhill. I think the problem is that she's put one head and shoulders picture of herself which is filtered and isn't a true likeness on the dating site. No pictures of her as she really is, a size 22, so I reckon when her date sees her for the first time, his face and reaction says it all and she is gutted. I feel so bad for her because she's a wonderful, kind person and can't stand by and watch her mood deteriorate with each date. I don't even know how to approach the subject. Lucy Dear Lucy, naturally anyone on a dating site is initially full of hope and expectation and are enthusiastically wondering if their date is going to be the one. However, reality is very different. Perhaps this will be a wake-up call for your friend and kickstart her into losing some weight. Not for a date, but for herself. There are guys out there who love larger ladies, so she needs to upload pictures of her true self. If she doesn't get any interest from anyone, then I would suggest you have a frank and honest chat with her. After all, her dating life is not a taboo subject. Suggest she comes off the dating sites until she loses weight and feels more attractive and confident within herself. As things are, every disappointing encounter will only chip away at her confidence, which can lead to a vicious cycle of comfort eating and and high happiness. I'm sure you'll be there to help her through this either way. Dear Janice, last Saturday was the first time our girl group had been out together since lockdown. We had a great night. However, unknown to me, things turned a bit sour when the bill arrived. You see, I am the only one out of the six of us who doesn't drink alcohol, so I said that my part of the bill should be less as you only had two ginger beers all evening while they guzzled wine like offshore sailors. No one said anything at the time, but the next day I got a text from one of the girls saying I was being tight and frankly out of order for not splitting the bill equally between us. This is put a dampener on me going out again with them because if I pay for their drinks I'll be really annoyed but if I stick to my guns they'll be equally annoyed. Any ideas? Megan. Dear Megan, stick to your guns. If you were drinking mocktails which are roughly the same price as an alcoholic drink then I would agree with your friends but if you're only having a couple of sauce drinks then no. I hate it when people go out in company, dine like a king, starters made into certain coffee, host you for a lasagna, and then and then expect you to pay for their food. It's different if it's a family occasion and you're all chipping in for someone's birthday, for instance. But other than that, why should you pay for what other people consume? More than likely, there is only one or two in the group who have an issue with this, so open up a discussion in your group chat and see what responses you get. That way you will know for sure before your next night out, if there is one. Dear Janice, I have a lockdown friend who I now can't get rid of. She seemed okay when we were meeting for walks in the park etc, but now we are out and about she has turned out to be a nightmare. 
A recent weekend at a caravan park with her son and my daughter was awful from start to finish. Her five-year-old was cheeky, rude and embarrassing. Everyone was staring at us because of his behaviour, which she seemed oblivious to. She was drunk most of the time and our so-called family trip was more like a hen weekend. She keeps messaging me with all these plans, swimming, swing parts, dinner at hers, etc. And I just don't want to go. How can I shake her off? Emily. Dear Emily, it's good that you have realised early on that you will never change her or her son and so want to distance yourself from her. Every time she messages you or calls you with an invitation, have a list of alternatives up your sleeve. You may need to tell loads of lies, but who cares? When she next suggests something, tell your visiting tell your visiting your parents, taking your gran out, book yourself a massage, going to the dentist, anything or anywhere she can't invite herself to. It will then become a mind game to see who will give up first. So stick to your plan and eventually she will become someone else's problem. And that piece was from her agony aunt Janice Bell. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 16th of August 2021, News. Cat Gaskell, Glasgow doctor missing from Newton Farm, last seen Saturday, by Hamish Morrison, reporter. Fears are growing for the safety of a missing Glasgow doctor who was last seen on Saturday. Kent Gaskell was seen on a doorbell camera leaving her and her partner Robbie Thompson's home in the Newton Farm area of Cambus Lang at around 8pm on Saturday. He said she was last seen wearing a light blue or grey jumper and was carrying a shoulder strap bag. SEVA Scotland, a charity with which she's involved, said in a statement on Facebook, Our dear friend Dr Kent Gaskell is missing. She was last seen yesterday evening in the Newton Farm campus lying area. We are extremely concerned for her welfare and pray for her safe return. Police Scotland confirmed they were investigating her disappearance and local reports indicate there is a large emergency service presence in the area currently. And that was a report by Hamish Morrison. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 16th of August 2021, from the news section... Cooper Library Campaigners in Banner Plea to Glasgow Life Bosses By Jack Haw, multimedia reporter Campaigners have unveiled a new banner outside of one of the city's closed libraries in their bid to reopen the vital community hub. Activists revealed the display at the Cooper Institute Library during their weekly reading on Saturday. The Cathcart building has been closed since the start of the COVID pandemic in March 2020 and it's one of nine libraries in Glasgow without a reopening date. Caroline Lockhead, part of the Save Out the Cooper group, said We just want our library back. We know it's been a tough year and we understand that. But we want to talk to the council in Glasgow Life and see how we can help. We have had no answers. The library was used by so many people and, as a parent, I know my kids really miss going to it. But it wasn't just the library and the nearby Cooper Institute that was used by so many groups. A spokesman for Glasgow Life said, We have announced reopening dates for the vast majority of the city's libraries. 
Bayliston, Langside and Pollock Shields libraries will reopen week commencing 23rd of August, meaning that 24 of Glasgow's 33 public libraries will have been reopened by the end of this month. We have been very clear for some time now that the £100 million we received from Glasgow City Council has been allocated in full to the reopening of more than 90 venues across the city. We continue to recognise the strength of feeling there is about venues without reopening dates, but our ability to open more venues is entirely dependent on more funding becoming available. And that piece was by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 16th of August 2021, from the news section... Glasgow Labour MSP Paul Sweeney dismisses safe drug room claim by Jack Haw, multimeter reporter. A Glasgow MSP has dismissed claims there's no evidence of the effectiveness of safe drug consumption rooms as nonsensical hyperbole. Paul Sweeney hit back at a senior UK government advisor after she argued they were not to silver bullet to fix Glasgow and Scotland's drugs death problem. Dame Carol Black, who was commissioned by the former Home Secretary Sajid Javid to conduct an independent review into drug misuse, said the row over consumption rooms could potentially act as, as a distraction from tackling the issue. Earlier this month, Glasgow moved a step closer to opening the first consumption room in the city, despite the UK government continuing to oppose the idea. The suggestion that there's no evidence of the effectiveness of safe drug consumption rooms is nonsensical hyperbole and flies in the face of numerous international examples in over 90 cities worldwide, said Mr Sweeney. They are a tool used to tackle drug deaths across Europe and further afield. Not only do they prevent fatal overdoses, they reduce the prevalence of needle sharing and subsequently decrease related bloodborne infectious diseases like HIV or hepatitis. In my time working at the safe consumption pilot in Glasgow, we prevented 12 fatal heroin overdoses. That unofficial van operated on a part-time basis with volunteers and managed to save 12 lives. Imagine the effectiveness of a full-time 24-hour service that was properly resourced. Whilst it isn't a panacea, it is a vital component in the multifaceted rep- approach to reducing drug de- and death and related illness, with a life loss of drugs every six and a half hours in Scotland on average. I've seen first-hand the trauma caused by the war on drugs, which is really a war on people who use drugs. The stigma and degradation, degradation experienced by so many vulnerable adults can be prevented it should be a collective national mission to ensure not one more life is lost to drugs. The latest statistics showed Scotland's drug death rate had risen for the seventh consecutive year in a row. The National Records of Scotland data released on June the 30th showed that 1,339 people died from drug consumption last year, the highest annual fin- figure since records began in 1996 and a 5% rise in the previous year. The figures give Scotland the unwanted title of the drug death capital of the UK and Europe, with three and a half times more people dying from drugs in Scotland than in the UK overall. Speaking to her sister title, The Herald on Sunday, Dame Black said, I'm probably going to be limited in what I can say 
I said it would require a change in the law and I was absolutely not allowed to recommend anything that would need a change in the law but I have never seen I've never seen good research, controlled evidence of how successful the drug consumption rooms are. What I have to always say is that we want to give the local authorities the right to choose the evidence-based treatments that are sound in evidence and then apply them to the population. And that article is by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 16th of August 2021, from the news section... Glasgow Mass planned by Pope Francis during COP26 visit. Peace by Hamish Morrison. Pope Francis wants to host an open-air Mass during his visit to Glasgow later this year, according to reports. The pontiff will travel to the city in November to attend the COP26 climate talks with other world leaders. And while he's in town, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church is planning an and hosting an outdoor service in Glasgow, like his predecessor Pope Benedict XVI, who led prayers in Bella Houston Park in 2010, reports the Mail on Sunday. A source told the paper, While the Pope saying Mass is not 100% confirmed, we have had word that he wants to do it, and that's why people are looking at the practicalities, such as venue and timing, depending on the rest of his pretty tight schedule. It would have to fit in with his address to the conference, and his meetings with the bishops. There is some doubt about whether it can be fitted in, but the Pope says Mass every day, and we'd like to see a Mass for the people of Scotland. It is absolutely not confirmed, but he wants to do it, and if the Pope wants to do it, and if the Pope wants to say Mass for the Scottish public, there is going to be a huge desire to make it happen. And that piece was by Hamish Morrison. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 16th of August 2021, from the news section. School car-free zones at Glasgow primaries are hit by delays. Picationa Stewart, comms and reporter. New safety zones due to be in place around 10 primaries ready for the start of the school year have been hit with delays. Council bosses said supply chain issues that are affecting engineering works across the country have caused a hold-up with implementing the latest school streets. Previously known as school car-free zones, school streets need specific signposts in order to make sure they're legally enforceable. But there have been problems with getting the signposts needed to detail the restrictions on vehicle movements. Councillor Anna Richardson, City Convener for Sustainability and Carbon Reduction, said, It is disappointing that all of the new school street zones won't be in place for the start of the new term. Unfortunately, there's been a supply issue with some of the signage we need to make its zones legally enforceable, and that will hold things up for a short while. Supply issues for engineering projects have been fairly common across the country recently, but we will work with the contractor to get the job done as quickly as possible. Work on two school streets will definitely be finished in time for Monday, and another two will follow quickly afterwards. The remaining six school streets in this phase will be completed as soon as the necessary materials become available and we are assured that we will be in the, that will be in the very near future. School streets has been a great success so far and I'm sure everyone connected with all 10 schools will be looking forward to a better environment for walking, wheeling or cycling to, at the school gate around bell time. 
signings will, ready, will be ready for Mount Vernon and St Francis Primary Schools where school streets will come into force today. Work is now underway at Cam Stradden and St Clair's Primaries and is expected to be in place for tomorrow. But plans are still in com- to commence at six other primaries. Oldmore Park in News Hills, Elmvale, Lawn Street, Notre Dame, Pollock Shields and Thornwood. The Council's contractor says the materials will be on site in the next week or so. The Glasgow Times understands all of the schools affected have been notified of the delay and will be updated as the work progresses. Officers from the road safety team will be attending affected schools to engage directly with parents at the school gate and to promote the forthcoming restrictions as well as the benefits of active travel. Since its introduction in August 2019, the School Streets project has been implemented at 26 primary schools across the city with plans to bring in up to 30 new zones over the course of this school year. The zones prohibit unauthorised vehicles from being driven close to the school gate at the beginning and end of the school day. Researchers found that there has been a substantial drop in traffic around the participating schools when the restrictions are in force, with people feeling safer and more likely to engage in active travel. In 2019, the Glasgow Times told how police and road safety officers were out in force around the city primary schools to ensure the success of one of the first days of the car-free zone trial. This paper has long called for traffic control measures around schools with their anti-zigzag parking campaigns showing some of the bizarre and dangerous driving by parents. An initial 18 months trial of four car-free zones was carried out at Bankhead, Hillhead, Our Lady of the Rosary and St Blaine's Primary Schools with the scheme done to success and rolled out across the city. A poll by the British Lung Foundation found residents in Glasgow strongly backed the scheme with 75% of people saying they were in favour. Schools chosen for the pilot have a history of complaints and concerns from parent councils, community councils and elected members about pupil safety as well as having high levels of congestion. And that article is by Katriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 17th of August 2021 from the news section Pair caught stealing clothes in Glasgow's Silverburn. Avoid jail. Piece by Katrina Stewart, columnist and reporter. A couple were praised for steps they have taken to turn their lives around when they appeared in the dock for theft. Donna Daniels and Charles Hay were caught stealing items from a clothing store in Silverburn. But the pair, from Kilmarnock, had their sentences deferred to be of good behaviour. Glasgow Sheriff Court was told that around 12.45pm on October 5th, 2019, the witness was working as a store assistant for Hugo Boss in the Southside Shopping Centre. She saw a man and a woman come into the shop but make no purchases and then leave again. When she carried out a stock check, she noticed a white t-shirt was missing. Looking at CCTV footage, she saw both Daniels and Hay enter the shop take items, place them in a bag and leave the store, making no effort to pay for them. On the same day, 
They were seen on CCTV taking items from JD Sports and Silverburn as well. Security staff in the shopping centre were able to trace both of them. When they were approached, the pair became aggressive, calling a staff member B, expletive deleted, and saying, you don't have an emotional bone in your body. Daniel's defence brief, who was standing in for her main solicitor, told the court his colleague had said, to everybody's astonishment, she has complied with a previous community payback order and has taken steps to turn her life around. His lawyer said she, she, he had managed to have a year without any offending and said he was currently on, on another court order. Sheriff Charles Lugton told Daniel she seemed to be making good progress and deferred sentencing for four months to allow her to be of good behaviour. To he, he said he was doing well by all accounts and again deferred sentencing for four months for good behaviour. And that piece was by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 17th of August 2021, from the news section, Pollock Shields in Glasgow sees another fire as cars set alight. By Katrina Stewart, columnist and reporter. Fire crews were called to Pollock Shields in the early hours of this morning to cars set alight in two residential streets. Local reports said five vehicles have been set ablaze on Maxwell Road and on Heriot Street. Police Scotland confirmed this number and said it believed the fires were started intentionally. A spokeswoman for the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service confirmed that two fire engines had been at the scene. Emergency services were called at 2.36am. A police spokeswoman said, Around 2.35am on Tuesday, August 17th, officers received a report of five cars on fire in the Heritage Street and Maxwell Road area of Glasgow. A joint investigation with Scottish Fire and Rescue Service is now underway and the fires are believed to be willful. Inquiries are ongoing. The incident is the latest in a string of fires in the South Side area. In June this year, the community rallied, rallied to support one another following a fatal fire in McCulloch Street. Resident Rahul Thakar died in the fire while others lost their homes and belongings. In March, the Andrew Rose Sugar Rush Cafe burned down along with two adjacent buildings. There's also been major fires in Albert Drive in recent years. And that piece was by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 17th of August 2021, from the news section, Post Office and DPD sign deal that will end 360-year tradition by Kieran Doody, UK trending editor. The Post Office has signed a deal with an external courier for the first time in its 360-year history. The agreement will mean DPD customers can collect parcels from post office sites across the UK. Courier giant DPD will now be able to leave packages at the post office from next week, offering the click and collect service to 250 branches by the end of the month and at 1500 sites before the Christmas holidays. Bosses at the post office hope to cash in on the growth in click and collect services during the COVID-19 pandemic, having previously only allowed Royal Mail parcels to be collected from branches. 
Post Office Chief Executive Nick Reed said, Combining the biggest physical retail network with one of the one of the Europe's best known logistical carriers provides greater customer convenience, footfall for postmasters, and helps people back into the high street as COVID-19 restrictions ease. I'm delighted that, through our partnership with DPD, customers can select their local post office to collect their parcels and know that they're often open longer hours, staffed by a knowledgeable postmaster and located moments from where they live. According to the post office, click and collect services increased by 14% year on year. DPD Chief Executive Elaine Kerr said, This is a significant long-term partnership between two brand leaders in the parcel industry and comes at a time when the convenience of online shopping and delivery is more valued than ever. This partnership enables us to offer us more options at the point of purchase while the parcel is in flight and on those occasions where we can't leave a parcel safely. Bossies also said the deal will help reduce both companies' carbon footprint with fans no longer having to make multiple stops to drop off parcels while at the same time encouraging people to return to their local high street on foot. And that piece was by Kieran Doody. Evening Times, August 16. Lifestyle. Remembering Agnes Hoy, inspirational Glasgow music teacher who swapped to Covent Garden for Rutherland. Report by Anne Fotheringham. Inspirational music teacher Agnes Hoy grew up in Springburn, where she showed an interest in music from an early age. Her father played violin in a local orchestra and took her along to concerts. At the age of 18, she auditioned successfully for the Covent Garden Opera Company. However, she was deemed too young and told to return a year later. Instead, she decided to stay in her home city of Glasgow and took over as conductor of the Cooperative Children's Choir, which her mother, Rachel, helped to run. It became the Glasgow Youth Choir, went from strength to strength, and eventually had to have separate junior and senior sections. At its peak, it had 300 members. Agnes studied at the RSAMD, getting her diploma in 1956 and trained as a teacher qualifying in 1966. Teaching became her life and many of her former students went on to sing professionally, including some with Scottish opera. Agnes spent most of her teaching career at Stonelaw High in Rutherland. She never did take up that place at Covent Garden in London, which is very much Glasgow's gain and the capital's loss. She was named Glasgow Times Scotswoman of the Year in 1977, one of the few joint awards in the event's history with actor Molly Weir, and in the same year received a Silver Jubilee Medal from the Queen. She was also awarded the MBE in 1986 and an honorary doctorate from Glasgow Caledonian University in 2006 for services to choral music. 
She sadly died in July 2010, aged 78. Report by Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 18th of August 2021, from the news section, Dad spat on daughter's face in Rutherglen and tried to headbutt police officer. But Catriona Stewart, columnist and reporter. A man has spat on his daughter's face during an argument in the street, brought a packed holdall to court as he feared being sent to prison. David Connolly attacked his daughter on September the 7th last year on Spittle Road in Rutherglen. The pair were with a third person when an argument broke out and the 48-year-old seized her by the neck. Connolly then approached her and spat on her forehead. When cops tried to take him to the station, he went to headbutt one of the officers. Deputy Fiscal Jamie Grant told Glasgow Sheriff Court, Police were contacted and attended and attempted to convey the accused to the Cathcart Police Office. However, the accused became hostile and attempted to headbutt the police witness. When Connolly was cautioned and charged, he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to plead guilty, I shouldn't have spat. I lost it. Connolly's defence brief said he has a minor record and one recent previous conviction that has left him on a community payback order. She said, He's carrying a bag with him because he understands how serious this is and how seriously the court takes it. He is a man who is hopefully at the tail end of a long drug addiction that started in his early 30s. He managed not to offend, but that has caught up with him. He was under pressure from people in his local area who were asking him to do certain things. He moved a dress and that has assisted him and he has thrown himself into the recovery process. He has managed to resolve his relationship with his family, apart from his daughter, who was the subject of this unpleasant attack. Sheriff Charles Lugton said, These are serious charges, but you are doing well. He deferred sentence for six months for Connolly to be of good behaviour. And that article is by Catriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 18th of August 2021, from the news section... Duntalker Road, Bearsden Field taped off by police amid probe by Hamish Morrison. Police have taped off part of a field near Glasgow in a probe into disturbed land. Officers are on the scene in a field near Duntalker Road, Bearsden, and have since seen since the mystery was reported at the weekend. It is not clear what they are looking for. Photographs show a number of cops on the scene in a section of the field marked out by police tape. A spokeswoman for Police Scotland said, Officers are conducting inquiries into a disturbed piece of farmland in the Duntalker Road area of Bearsden, which was reported to police on Saturday, August 14th, 2021. Inquiries are ongoing to establish any criminality. And that report was by Hamish Morrison. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 18th of August 2021, from the news section, GOMU prison escort staff sacked for alleged assault on inmate. Report by Victoria Weldon. Four workers for a prison escort film GOMU have been dismissed over an alleged assault on a prisoner in the sales of a court. The security guards were accused of attacking the inmate at Hamilton Sheriff Court in March last year, 
reports the Herald. GOAMI confirmed that four employees had been sacked as a result of the incident. However, the Herald understands that no criminal case was brought against the individuals. The allegations came to light in an employment tribunal involving a former manager for the company, Fraser McIntyre, who was tasked with investigating the allegations which were made by another member of staff. Mr McIntyre suffered stress and anxiety as a result of the investigation, as well as a string of other issues, and eventually felt forced to resign when GOAMI failed to pay his wages while he was signed off work. He has now won his case for constructive dismissal and unpaid wages and has been awarded more than £13,000 by an employment tribunal. A judgment on the case states, In March 2020, the claimant was asked to undertake an investigation in relation to an incident which happened at Hamilton Sheriff Court. A prisoner had allegedly been assaulted by five of the respondent's security staff while in custody. The complaint had been made by another member of staff who claimed to witness the assault. The tribunal heard that Mr McIntyre took statements from the staff accused of the assault, who denied it, and the worker who reported it. He also attempted to obtain a copy of CCTV footage from the court, but was told that it had been lost. The judgment states, His conclusion was that there was insufficient evidence to justify taking further action. Following this, he was told by bosses that there would be a separate investigation into his handling of the probe. During this time, there were also issues ongoing, including a complaint that had been made by the Sheriff Principal at Airdrie Sheriff Court over a lack of dock security. Mr McIntyre was then asked to gather daily performance information on staffing levels and court arrival times and provide weekly reports to his managers. The judgement states, He was aware that there were dock manning failures in other courts in Scotland for which he was not responsible, but understood the same process was not being followed in response to them. He felt there was a degree of inconsistency and injustice in the respondent's approach. The tribunal heard that Mr McIntyre was also suffering from personal problems and was signed off sick due to stress and anxiety in August last year. He was asked to attend occupational health but did not feel up to it. Geo Amy then wrote to him in November warning that they would stop his pay if he again refused to attend. He was due to be paid in just over a day later and his wages were withheld. Employment Judge Brian Campbell says withholding the pay at just a day's notice was a repudiatory act. The judge stated, It left the claimant, absence from work on the grounds of stress and anxiety, very little time to respond before the effects of not receiving his monthly pay would be felt. He added that the firm's actions were exacerbated by an earlier occupational health report which had warned Mr McIntyre's mental health was fragile and should not be put at any further risk by way of exposure to work-related issues. Judge Campbell awarded him £11,255 for constructive dismissal and £2,022 for unpaid wages. GOAMI confirmed that four employees had been dismissed as a result of the incident at Hamilton Sheriff Court. A spokesman added, Whilst we are naturally disappointed that the tribunal did not find in our favour, we accept the verdict and will look to identify any constructive learning points for our business. And that report was an exclusive by Victoria Wilson. From the Glasgow Times, 
Wednesday the 18th of August 2021 from the news section Man too drunk to remember brandish knife in Partick by Cassiona Stewart, columnist and reporter A man too drunk to remember raged at a delivery driver sorting parcels in his van before brandishing a knife at random passers-by. Daniel Adam lost his temper shortly before Christmas last year and started shouting and swearing at a van driver who was parked outside his property. Heavily under the influence of booze, Glasgow Sheriff Court heard Adam grabbed a knife and started waving it at people in the street outside his party home. Deputy Fiscal Jamie Grant told the court about the incident on December 21st, 2020. Mr Grant said, The witness is a delivery driver. He was sorting parcels out in his van outside the locus when he noticed the accused standing outside the van. He then heard Adam shout loudly and swear at him, but he didn't note exactly what he was saying to him. Another witness saw this taking place as she was taking items out of her car. A second witness intervened and tried to bring Adam back into the locus. They succeeded in getting Adam to go back inside the home on Fordyce Street, but a short time later he went back outside and, the court heard, continued to conduct himself in an aggressive manner. He then went into a property and came back out brandishing a knife at passers-by on the street. The 23-year-old shouted at them, Do you want this? Are you scared now? Police arrived at the scene and Adam was cautioned and charged, but said nothing in reply. Adam was also on a curfew as part of his bail conditions, but was caught by cops out on patrol on June 12th this year at 10.30pm, driving in a black Audi. His defence brief told the court Adam's curfew hours had been removed to take into account his work as an apprentice scaffolder. The lawyer added, He's under no illusions. This is a serious matter. He does have a record from when he was a young man of 16 or 17, but there then was a fairly significant gap in his offending before two offences in 2020. He has a stable family background and stable accommodation. The solicitor told the court that when Adam was stopped while driving on Great Western Road, he was heading to Loch Lomond to drop some items to his girlfriend. During the knife incident, the the lawyer said Adam was under the influence and cannot remember it. He added, he doesn't recall it. Sheriff Charles Lugton gave Adam 135 hours of unpaid work to complete within 12 months as part of a community payback order. He will be under supervision of social work for nine months. For breaching his bail conditions, Adam was admonished. And that piece was by Catriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Time, Wednesday the 18th of August 2021, from the news section... Speeding driver ran into taxi on Glasgow's Great Western Road by Kationa Stewart, columnist and reporter. A man with an unblemished record escaped serious punishment after running into the back of a taxi and having a baseball bat. Brendan Holland was called very lucky by a sheriff after his defence brief persuaded the court the offence was a moment of madness. Glasgow Sheriff Court heard that on December the 8th, 2019, the 27-year-old was driving on Dumbarton Road. Fiscal Deputy Jamie Grant told the court how Holland, from Balornock, was driving behind the taxi at excessive speed and collided with the back of the other vehicle when it came to a stop. 
He was also found to be carrying an offensive weapon, a baseball bat. Holland's defence brief said he had no previous convictions and described the incident as a moment of madness. The lawyer said, This was an isolated incident and I don't believe I will see him before the courts again. Sheriff Charles Lugton said, I was very concerned that this is a somewhat disturbing incident in some respects, but also an isolated incident. Holland was told to pay a fine of £630 with a £40 victim surcharge. The sheriff said that with considerable reluctance and calling the accused very lucky, he also gave Holland six penalty points in his licence and placed him on a community payback order. He will have 12 months to carry out 90 hours of unpaid work. And that piece was by Catriona Stewart. The Glasgow Times Lifestyle section, Wednesday the 18th of August 2021. Outlander star Katrina Balfe reveals birth of a baby by Jodie Harrison. Outlander star Katrina Balfe has revealed she and her husband, Tony McGill, have welcomed the birth of their first child. The Irish actress apologised to her fans for being absent from social media, saying that she'd been cooking up this little human as she shared a picture of his hand holding a finger. Ms. Balfe, who plays Claire Fraser in the hit show, did not reveal the name of the child but urged her fans to support children's charities. 41-year-old is a patron of the World Child Cancer Organization and also supports charitable causes including refugee relief and the environment. In a post to her 1.7 million Instagram followers, Miss Balfe wrote, I've been off socials for a while as I was taking some time to enjoy cooking up this little human. We are so grateful for this little soul that he chose us as his parents. I'm in awe of him already and can't help stare and wonder at all the possibilities of who he will become, where he will go and what he'll do on this big adventure of his life. The actress and a Scottish band promoter husband married in 2019, having been together for a number of years. Miss Balfe added, right now he seems so small and fragile and I constantly think about how grateful I am that I live in a place in a time where he is born into peace and safety and yet at the same time I see so many in the world right now that aren't afforded with that same privilege and opportunity who are just born into famine or war and how unjust it is that the same safety isn't there for all children. Here in the West, we have so much, we are so lucky, and so, if you'd like to join me in supporting any of the wonderful charities that need help, trying to give those that are forgotten dignity and hope, we can give the gift of peace and safety and opportunity to a few more children. Fans have reacted with delight to the news, with one posting, enjoy the baby bubble. This article was written by Jody Harrison. The Glasgow Times Lifestyle section, Wednesday the 18th of August 2021. Clydebank comedian Kevin Bridges leads tributes to tragic Sean Locke by Lauren Gilmore. Kevin Bridges leads the tributes to comedian Sean Locke, who has passed away today following a battle with cancer. The Clydebank funny man regularly appeared alongside Locke on the hit Channel 4 show 8 out of 10 Cats. Bridges said, Sean Locke, a brilliant comedian, obviously, but just a genuinely hilarious guy too, and one of the soundest guys in comedy, from when I just started to when we last had a laugh together. Very sad news. 
Bridges is on the books of the same production company as Locke of the Kerr production, who said it is with great sadness that we have to announce the death of Sean Locke. He died at home from cancer surrounded by his family. Sean was one of Britain's finest comedians with his boundless creativity, lightning wit and the absurdist brilliance of his work, marked him out as a unique voice in British comedy. Sean was also a cherished husband and father to three children. Sean will be sorely missed by all that knew him. We kindly request that the privacy of his family and children is respected at this difficult time. Meanwhile, Janie Godley also paid tribute to Locke, saying listening to him telling a story was the best experience anyone can have. This article was written by Lauren Gilmore. The Glasgow Times Lifestyle Section Wednesday the 18th of August 2021 Daniel Craig won't leave fortune to children as inheritance is distasteful by Kieran Doody James Bond star Daniel Craig has said he will not leave his children a fortune of sums made from his acting career as he finds the idea of inheritance distasteful. The 53-year-old will have amassed a fortune over his acting career, portraying James Bond and appearing future Knives Out films, which were bought by Netflix in Big Bucks deal announced earlier this year. Craig shares a three-year-old daughter with famous wife Rachel Ways and an adult daughter named Ella from his marriage with Fiona Luden. Ways, 51, who has won an Oscar, also has a son from her relationship with filmmaker Darren Aronofsky. Daniel Craig has revealed his plans on giving a lot of money away rather than passing all of his money to his children. He told Candice magazine, isn't there an old adage that if you die a rich person you failed? I think Andrew Carnegie gave away what is in today's money would be about 11 billion dollars which shows how rich he was because I'll bet he kept some of it too but I don't want to leave great sums to the next generation I think inheritance is quite distasteful my philosophy is get rid of it or give it away before you go Daniel Craig on being a celebrity Craig's fifth and final outing as 007 will come in no time to die, which will arrive in September following multiple pandemic-enforced delays. While he plays one of the best-known characters in film history, the intensely private Craig said he has no interest in being a celebrity. He said, and it's nothing I should complain about really, because I also have huge benefits out of being who I am, but the fact is that privacy is a hugely important part of my life. And this being a celebrity makes me nervous actually. There is a side of my life that I just choose not to share and not to discuss. I think people's private life is something private and that's that. No Time to Die will be released in the UK on September 30th. This article was written by Kieran Doody. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.